1: 516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
2: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, moolah, 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 money, 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 and much, much more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I'm the Count de Monet. I think the big story today has to be, is it Nintendo opening their door to smartphone games? No, no. Is it the house GOP budget plan calling for more military spending? No, no. What is the big story of the day? Is it Warby Parker, who as a company is incredibly, wildly successful? New York eyewear startup. It's raising money. And millennials like to shop there. And I grew up as a Generation Xer who didn't like to go to J.C. JCPenney's or Sears. I do remember growing up, getting the catalog, the Christmas catalog as I like to refer to it, and getting all excited and jones over Sears. Like You got to like bend pages and kind of like hint to your santa claus father figure dad and go
1: dad this is what i want like i got to hat
2: and you would like over you'd go for like super high-end stuff knowing that you're not going to get it but it was fun to dream for a day uh so i grew up basically hating sears but loving the sears catalog and then after you got tired of looking at toys and you know things that you can order and you would order them and they would come to a, like a warehouse sears and you'd go to the back of a sears and you'd pick up the stuff you ordered surreal can you imagine like life before amazon.com brought it to you those were the days when i was a child we actually had to go to the mall and park we would then trek long distances inside the stores we would say where do i go to pick this up so i hate sears and it's it's no phenomenon to me that today kids younger than me hate things that i liked and again and again and again, ecology is what rules Wall Street. Survival of the fittest, adaption, extinction, hibernation. Um, if you don't see the malls, you know, going the way of the dodo bird and, you know, smaller malls popping up with a cheesecake factory and an apple store, I, I think you're missing something. So Warby Parker sells eyeglasses. They're doing quite, quite, quite well. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is with NewFocusFinancial.com. Let's talk about prepaying a mortgage, Chad. You've recently
3: had some new concepts that you want to add to this argument. Well, it's it's really only new for people that are close to or in retirement. Okay. Um, for younger people, I don't think you should prepay your mortgage at all, um, especially if you have not maxed out your IRAs, your 401Ks, your Roths, because, look, if you, your house is going to go up and down in value regardless of how much you owe on it. Right. So if you have an extra dollar, if you put that extra dollar into your 401k, the entire dollar goes to work in investments for you. If you take that dollar home, you'll pay taxes on it. You only have 70 cents left left over to prepay your mortgage. And again, what difference does it make? Because if you can afford your mortgage, your house is going to go up and down in value no matter what. So maximize your investments. Maximize your 401ks, your Roths you know, save, make sure you build a large portfolio. People 30s, 40s, and even most of the time in the 50s should not make extra payments on their mortgage. Where it changes a little bit is certain circumstances in retirement where people are saying, I've got cash that really needs to be safe, like in CDs yep. or in shorter duration bonds. What what do I do with it? Can I beat, you know, I've refinanced my home. I've got a 30 year at, you know, under 4%. Can I beat that? with safe money out there. And that's really tough to do. It's really tough to do in this environment. So it makes it a tougher decision. Here's where it's not a tough decision, though. Okay. I've had this email question before from my listeners, your listeners, mostly yours. Let's <laughs> say, should I pull, my mortgage is only $100,000, should I pull $100,000 out of my IRA and pay it off? Well, that's the worst idea you could ever think of. Why is that? Well, if you pull $100,000. I, I can out, come up with worse ideas. <laughs> this is a pretty bad one, though. Because if you have 100000 in your IRA, you have to pay taxes on a lot of money. So you're going to lose 35% of it at least, right? Sure. So that doesn't make sense. But it, let's say you're a retiree and you've refinanced or your, your interest rate's really low. You're not getting much of a tax deduction. Or let's say you're 15 years into a 30-year loan and you're no longer getting much of a tax deduction for it. And you've got cash or you've got a large gain in your bond portfolio and you like to peel some of those gains off it might make sense for you to pay off that mortgage as long as you can still itemize your deductions because bonds are at historically low rates. And part of that is because of operation twist, quantitative easing, those types of things. Eventually they'll end. Rates will rise. But for some, Rob, it's even an emotional decision that just makes them feel good to be able to be retired and not have a mortgage payment. And sometimes those emotional decisions are a lot more important than maximizing every dollar. Um, so And if you've got extra cash, let's say you inherited it, let's say severance pay something, and that cash is either going to go into bonds or pay off a mortgage, um, it's a a very careful consideration. You've got to really study the tax return, run an analysis. If you can still itemize your deductions after you pay off your mortgage, it might be something worth looking into. With that said, different people have different images and thoughts
2: on mortgages. My mom has a mortgage. She's 75-plus years old. Mm-hmm. I have a mortgage. One of the first things I learned in the business is we're always going to have debt. Just get used to it. Just make sure that you can service it is probably the primary issue.
3: Right. Credit
2: card debt, bad. No doubt about it. 18% credit card debt, bad. Get rid of it. But mortgage debt's good debt. It's low-cost money.
3: Well, it's, it's great. I mean, the, the reason why you and I both like and own real estate is because mortgage is a useful tool to leverage, get into a property, have somebody else pay for you to rent if, they, yeah. if they're renting. Um, so it's a way for other people to build up your wealth for you. Uh, same thing with a house. Um, the problem is, is that when you get to retirement and you have limited assets, you're, you know, a lot of people are retiring without enough money. So it becomes a situation of, should you pay it off? Or maybe you should do a reverse mortgage and have the reverse mortgage pay it off if you haven't saved enough. Um, or maybe you should just move. And go rent somewhere really cheap that doesn't have state income taxes. You, you've really got to look at all the situations and, and, and find the thing that makes most sense for you. That's a cliche thing to say. Yeah. But it's hard to tell people, yes, when you're 60, pay off your mortgage. That doesn't work for everybody.
2: And I'll add a little color to that. Is I think it, it's very helpful if you have a professional like a CPA or a CFP help you with determining if it's appropriate or not because doing it yourself, you miss big pictures. You miss big concepts at times.
3: Yep. And a lot of people think their mortgage is a great tax deduction, but again, if you're a long ways into your mortgage, it's mostly principal, and it's no longer much of a tax deduction. It could just be a cash outflow.
2: I'm with you. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.
3: The fall in oil prices is going
2: to help American Airlines more than most of its competitors because it's not locked into higher fuel prices. Put a number in your head. How much do you think American Airlines will save because of the fall in oil? Hmm. Hmm. Does 200 million is that right? No, 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 not Higher. Higher. How about $4.5 billion? I give you the FBI. $4.5 billion. Whoa. Tesla's getting closer to opening up a dealership in New Jersey as some legislature just... Uh, As the legislative bodies are awaiting the governor's signature on some new dealership laws. The GOP House budget plan calls for more military spending and a repeal of the Affordable Care Act, thus eliminating the federal deficit within 10 years. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Black talking all things financial. Money. Money, 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 money. And much, much more. 800 516 1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800 516 1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We could talk about social security for sure. For sure. We could talk about Apple doing a streaming TV service. Or the House GOP budget plans calls for more military spending. It also calls for a repeal of the Affordable Care Act, and it would eliminate the debt federal deficit within ten years. Hmm. Something tells me that's getting towards that political time of the year again. No. And that can cause the market to panic. Tesla closer to being able to have some New Jersey dealerships. Good for them. Oil declining, four point five billion dollar windfall for American Airlines. Microsoft is. Upping the production of their Apple Watch. No, no. A- Microsoft is upping their production of the Microsoft Watch. The band smartwatch. Uh, trying to capitalize on the popularity of the Apple Watch. Uh, February housing starts plunged 17%. That's a pretty big s- snow stall. Uh, Starbucks and USA Today are trying to tackle the racial issues. By writing the words race together on cups, they're trying to get us to talk more about race. Hmm. Let's talk about real estate with Tony Mendez. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, com. That's source.com Let's talk about paying off debt in order to get that loan done. Uh, what would stop a loan from getting approved
4: with debt? A high debt ratio. Okay. Uh, Dodd-Frank uh, implemented qualified mortgage rules. Lenders are, are sticking to it. Um, you know, there are ways to go over it with better credit, better equity, but for the most part, 43% is what they call the back end ratio. That's all of your debt combined with the new mortgage payment, with your taxes and insurance. So, uh, credit card debt, car payment debt, student loan debt, any debt that you have adds to that ratio on a monthly basis. And, uh, there are lenders now that will allow you to pay off that debt, part of a refinance in order to qualify for a loan. So for example... Let's say you have a 50% ratio with all of your debt. You have a $20,000 credit card with a $500 payment on a monthly basis, and you have, you know, 25% equity in your home. Well, you could simply refinance. Sometimes you might get a higher rate, hopefully keep the same or lower, and you can get a double benefit here. But for dollar for dollar, that $20,000 is usually uh, one dollar $1 for every three dollars, so it's, 30, it's 60-something percent lower. In payment, yeah, you might go pay interest over a period of time, but it allows you to save money and manage that debt and, and get that refinance done. This also works where um, you know with with auto loans as well. Okay. I've seen people. I haven't seen anybody do student loans. That would be actually crazy. In some most cases, that that payment is incredibly low compared to the, the debt balance. Some of them are.
2: Some student debt. You know, if you're not. Getting... I have
4: seen them creep up recently, uh, yeah. but I still wouldn't. I just don't. I just don't. I feel really uncomfortable unless you're talking to a CFP or a CPA. And that guy's calling me and saying, "Hey, this is what we're doing. I've authorized you—you you know, this this borrower—to do this kind of transaction. Um, you know, this brings up a good point. You know, there's a lot of people that are doing transactions, uh, and they have still do transactions over the last few years after you know getting a huge scare, of, you know, and, and a, a reality check and how risky mortgages can be. They're still making transactions without the advice of, uh, you know, their their circle of trust. You know, those those people that the CPAs, the CFPS." that should be, you know, guiding them through this. Okay. And, and I know you agree with this is, you, I, you know that people make some strange money decisions. I saw a guy write off his kid's college tuition on his tax returns. <laughs> you know, it's like w- w- we had to wait another year just to get him done because it took away from his income. So people do crazy things.
2: The real estate process is crazy in the first place and don't complicate it by making like, they're going to check your taxes now. Yep. Like make sure you have a PDF copy of them. Um, Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, Xerox and your, your brain's out. So that's one of the things I love about having an accountant is, you know, he, he the CPA. He just does the you know, PDF and it's always there and it's nice. It's, yeah. um,
4: a lot of self-employed people need to be with, especially if they're doing a transaction in two years, within two years, to go with, go to their CPA and say, um, and their loan agent and have them work together and say, what do I need to qualify for? Because you don't use your gross income on, on self-employed. You use your net income. Back in the day of liar loans. Did you still have to do um, tax returns? Uh no. Okay. No, it was it was you basically said I work in this industry. Okay. And then they the you you'd state an income and then they would they had a website that they would go to that said, okay, this type of industry, say I'm a you know, I'm a plumber for I'm a master plumber or master electrician, how much does that make in this zip code where you live? And it'll it'll set up a dollar amount. And a scale, a little chart, and if you fall within a certain variance, you, you get the that you'll allow that income. It's crazy. Liar loans were crazy.
2: One of the you know a, a frustrating situations arise. I refinanced an office building that I own, and they wanted to do an appraisal. And what do you think an appraisal would cost?
4: I I know how much an appraisal costs for an, a commercial property. So okay. it's probably over a thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars. Yeah.
2: And it's tough because the comparables in that area, nothing sells. It's right next to a courthouse. So once someone buys it, they typically keep it forever. So there's no comparables, and that's why they're jacking up the appraisal fee on it. Um, So they were literally going to do like a a really personal detailed.
4: Yeah, that's that's something that we talked about, appraisals and overvalue and and so on. And, you know, comparables is a big issue right now with low inventory. Um, And that's another reason why people have to be concerned about, you know, that appraisal.
2: Yeah, thinking about that, you know, the home that I own, it would have tough comparables because it's it's such a unique street. So you you're one mile, it, half a mile half a mile away, and it ain't the same it ain't the same
4: I, community. I, I heard a realtor say that they say, well, you're gonna pay forty thousand dollars more than the appraised value. He says, but the, but then the, the realtor says, but your house now became a comp. <laughs>
2: That's Tony Mendez. You need a loan, you need a refi, you can find him at com. That's com. And then we're on Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. February housing starts. Builders broke ground on fewer homes. New homes last month, it starts to plunge 17%. Harsh weather is largely to blame. January's rate was revised to 1.08 million. You know, a bigger number inside of this would be housing starts. Snowstorms are a part of, you know, housing numbers. It's just it's that kind of easy to read. So <clears throat> um, home builder optimism is flagging a bit. South was down about two and a half percent. The Midwest slumped about nine percent. The Northeast down thirty. Northeast down fifty-six percent. And Midwest down about thirty-seven percent. It's a pretty big number. But permits, a gauge of future activity, rose three percent. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. A mask man, or masked men, are attacking Uber drivers with brass knuckles and hammers in Amsterdam. That sounds not pleasant hammers and brass knuckles. I'll tell you what, if a masked man came up to me with a hammer and brass knuckles, I, I'm going to be shaking in my boots. Talk to you soon. I'm not Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining us today for the first time ever on St. Patty's Day, I want to call you Patty O'Hare, Briefing.com, Chief Market Analyst. Is it rude of me to call you Patty today? Not at all, Rob. <laughs> you are in Chicago, a very Irish city. Um, So it kind of fits the bill, so to speak. Um, Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Likewise, and the same to you, Rob. (laughs) Did you know, I just saw some studies on this, that dental visits, dental emergencies spike the day after St. Patrick's Day, because I guess men and women drink too much, and then they start hitting each other at bars, and they have to go to the dentist on the following day to get their teeth fixed. It's an odd economic statistic or non-economic insight that who would have known. Right. Good day to invest in your dentist. Anyway. I I guess um, that makes sense, though. (laughs) I guess it does. Um, How about the stock market, Mr. O'Hare? Changing topics back to areas of comfort for you and I. It feels like we're starting a correction. And I say that only because the financial media is saying it, thinking it. It's the whole Fed rate hike. Thing coming down the road it's a little bit of inflation assumed not necessarily delivered but are you feeling that like as an analyst again you're so much more scientific than i am i'm just i'm kind of like looking out the window and saying it looks like snow is coming it feels like a market correction is coming yeah, you
5: know, I, th- I think you. It does feel like some type of setback is in in the offing here. Um, and you know, I'm looking at it specifically. The factor that I most concerned about really is declining earnings growth um, estimates. You know, we're looking at first quarter earnings, which are expected to be negative year over year, and the same for the second quarter. Um, looking at calendar year 2015 earnings that are only going to be up, you know, one percent at this juncture. Everyone likes to make a lot of the uh, downturn in the energy sector as being the cause of that, but you've seen downward revisions to all sectors. And, And what we saw in February was the market rise sharply in the face of declining earnings growth estimates and weakening economic data. And what concerned me about that was just the level of complacency in this idea that you can just continue to keep going up, you know, with rates at the zero bound and not worry about any of that, quote, other stuff. Well, the other stuff does matter, and now that we're at an inflection point where the Fed is sounding like it wants to raise interest rates, we're not saying that it's going to, but it sure sounds like it really, really would like to. um, That you know is going to create some problems here, and I think people are reassessing valuations um, and looking at just how strong of gains they've um, they've let ride for a while, and you know taking some money off the table and probably going to sit back and and reassess. But yeah, it does feel a little bit. odd um, or different these days in terms of trying to get this bull market to new heights. And so we could see a you know decent-sized setback. Um, it wouldn't surprise us anyway.
2: Which do you think is more bothersome? We've got earnings number one as far as family feud goes. But number two and number three, is it interest rates or is it um, the strong dollar?
5: Well, they're kind of they're kind of all interconnected. Um, okay. You know, the, the dollar is going up, um, you know, primarily on this uh, trade of interest rate differentials. You know, you have the Federal Reserve, like I mentioned, sounding as if it wants to raise rates, um, whereas other major central banks around the globe are still in a rate-cutting mode or, or in a mode of providing some type of, you know, new policy stimulus. Uh, and so that's helped drive the interest in, you know, higher-yielding U.S. assets, which is Taking the dollar up. Uh, the negative impact of that, on a short-term basis anyway, is that it's likely to weigh on the uh, earnings prospects for U.S. multinational companies, um, and it's going to make it more challenging from a competitive standpoint for U.S. companies, you know, exporting products, uh, which could in turn be a drag on uh, GDP growth. So, um, so it's all intertwined, and it's all there in front of us to suggest that uh, you know an accelerating pace of growth uh, for both earnings and the economy is, uh, is certainly in question right now, and it's unlikely to be seen here over the near term, uh, and that's why uh, we think that uh, further multiple expansion will be harder to come by, or should be harder to come by, because there's not the justification from a fundamental um, standpoint to allow for that continued multiple expansion.
2: Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com, I start every day by reading this page one article that's posted uh, pretty early in the morning. What time do you actually post that? Now that I stop and ask myself. Uh, yeah, right.
5: It, it posts um, at 9 o'clock Eastern time just about every day, yep. give or take a few minutes. <laughs> gotcha.
2: Now, looking at today's, you brought up a little bit of a housing starts disappointment. And then there's also a comment on – energy prices falling. Both of those are leading to exactly what you're talking about is potentially earnings disappointment in energy, potentially disappointment in revenues and housing starts in the future. So you are seeing some fundamental data that is saying things aren't rosy as far as earnings growth goes.
5: We are. And, you know, you can rolled out a litany of economic data late, probably, you know, one of the big reports that uh, truly disappointed, well, of course, was the February employment report and what it uh, revealed about uh, wage growth. And then you can throw on top of that the very disappointing retail sales report for February, uh, which didn't see any um, uh, what we call core retail sales go- growth. And that's, you know, retail sales, which excludes gasoline station sales, auto sales, and building material sales. Uh, and that's a uh, a key input, if you will, that goes into the uh, personal consumption expenditures component within the GDP report. Um, so we had, you know, disappointing industrial production data um, out yesterday. And, um, and so you can kind of keep on going down the line, and it's been one of the, uh, you know, interesting characteristics uh, of the market this year um, where, you know, going into the year was looking for a lot better growth, and we're not getting it. And it's not just unique to the United States. you are seeing it around the globe as well. But uh, per usual, there's a willingness to look past it, dismiss it entirely as a weather-based phenomenon, uh, because we saw last year how the polar vortex ultimately gave way to stronger economic growth as the year progressed. And the market is still accepting of that possibility here, which is why we're not getting a. a you know, a real big sell-off in the face of that weak data, which, of course, also does support the case that the Fed could stay, you know, patient at the zero bound for longer than some might think. So it's just kind of a strained period of time. It's a strained way of thinking, but it's a type of thinking that has sustained this bull market uh, for several years now. Uh, but, again, with declining earnings growth estimates that we're seeing, we think that there's some risk there over the near term uh, and certainly some, some real challenges here in trying to extend this bull market, uh, you know, over uh,
2: over the next several months. am speaking with Patrick O'Hara, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. Great website to start your day. Very well developed and fleshed out. Perspectives on Wall Street from everything from technical to international to domestic. Is there anything else that you're working on that you find important for us to talk about, to chat about? Anything with insight?
5: Yeah, well I'm going to be updating the uh the market view, uh, briefing.com's market view later this week. Um again as I was uh rolling into 2015 at the end of 2014, you know, I suggested that um you know that the market should rise in line with earnings per share growth um in 2015. You know, when I wrote that, the projection for earnings per share growth was close to 9% for 2015. We're now down to 1%. Um, so I'm going to be downgrading that market viewpoint or at least lowering the um, uh, the return outlook uh, for market participants and suggesting really that this is probably the time now where you focus on the, quote, best of the best stocks and possibly start scaling into some of the, quote, best of the worst names. You know, So, for instance, like an ExxonMobil, uh, which has come well off its high. Probably don't want to go all in right now, but – uh, certainly, it's one of the best, if not the best, oil company out there uh, and maybe create some uh, portfolio rebalancing opportunities there with this recent sell-off.
2: Gotcha. And the joke in my head was, oh, Pat, I just went all in on ExxonMobil because he said don't go all in on it. But um, how often do you recommend – like, this is a good opportunity to say if I have something that I don't want, maybe I can reposition it into something that I would really want, mm-hmm. um, super high-quality um, anything else you want to add to that?
5: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think you know, you have to take
2: stock of this. You know, it's like
5: w- when you go out and you want to, say, buy something in the retail sector, you don't go in and say, hey, I'm excited, I can buy this thing at full price. You know, you go out and you're looking for sales. I mean, something that's 30%, 40 50% off, you're like, ah, I got to go get that because that's a really good deal. Uh, it's a perverse way of thinking in the stock market, though, because everyone seems to like to buy at higher highs, you know, at higher prices. But when things are marked down, and get quality companies selling at reduced prices, that is the opportunity to start, you know, scaling into those names and looking for some longer-term investment opportunities. It doesn't have to be that difficult. You know, a company like ExxonMobil is not, is, is not going out of business, you know, <laughs> so – um, so there's probably some opportunity there for individuals with a patient mindset uh, to do okay. Uh, so look for those opportunities at moments like this and look for stocks that are down 30 40% or so from their highs uh, that still have strong balance sheets and, you know, have been through the ups and downs of many economic cycles uh, uh, over many decades that are going to continue to be around uh, for many more decades to come because uh, there's always opportunity there.
2: Solid advice. Thank you very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, com. Whether it's a market that's consolidating, a sector that is correcting, and create opportunities. Like he said, try to buy on sale 20, 30, 40, 50% off. You get a high-quality company, a high-quality sector. That helps eliminate risk in the market when you're buying at a discount versus buying at an all-time high. Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I do the show five days a week from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. during drive time. Also, I sit in for CFP Chad Burton on his show. He does Monday through Friday. Fridays at noon, but he takes a lot of days off because he's a financial planner. I'm not. From noon to one, you can listen to that show as well. I think his show is particularly great on Mondays and Tuesdays. The United Airlines flight en route to Denver had to return to Washington, D.C. when a passenger rushed towards the cockpit before being grabbed by other passengers. That never seems to happen on flights that I'm on. And I have to honestly say, Good. Apple's going to launch a TV service, according to the Wall Street Journal, this fall. Um, Apple's got game. And I was playing with Beats, their music service, yesterday. And it's okay. It's not Spotify. But it could be a Spotify killer in the sense that it'll be cheaper than Spotify. A lot of millennials have w- lived without ever having bought an album and they're used to that world. A lot of millennials have lived without ever buying a cable package, and they're used to that world. Subscriptions are clearly in a growing phase. Subscriptions are interesting to note in large part, in my opinion, because um, business model—it's it's fun to play with. It's not that intimidating. There's a freemium business model that is intriguing. The proportion of paying subscribers within the total user base varies considerably across digital media. People who pay for Spotify, there's a free version, people who pay 25%. There's a free version of WhatsApp, people pay 21% of them. Pandora, there's a free version, but 5% will be willing to pay. New York Times, same thing. There's a lot of free, but only 3% conversions. Most companies try to operate a freemium model. Subscriptions typically operate alongside an advertising model. But success in freemium boils down to can you get enough of a core audience, exclusive value, that could only be a success beyond a paywall. So Wall Street loves subscription models because as we've seen Netflix get bigger, well, their costs do go up for sure. But their revenues are, are pretty consistent. If you have 25 million subscribers at 9.99 a month, da-da-da-da-da-da, it's not that hard to figure out the mathematics of it. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's something called ARPU, which sounds like poo-poo, but it's not. ARPU is the average revenue per user. And it's a Wall Street metric that it's easy to play with. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air market's been a little volatile recently, tied towards crude oil, remaining weak. The Fed meeting, that they're going to come out with their notes tomorrow. And that'll be a relative game changer. It's probably going to be this year based on data. And money will get more expensive. And the punch bowl will have left the party. Now that does not make me want to cry. I've enjoyed six good years of cheap money. I've refinanced all my mortgages, all of them, and I have four, and the last six years of incredibly low interest rates have given me opportunity to, like, cut my revenue per month that goes out the door. Good time to refinance, in my opinion. So, the Fed's going to meet. And what vapor will the market be running on afterwards? We've got a weaker euro, stronger dollar. And that continues to look like a trend, especially with the Fed raising interest rates, if they do. And it's expected they will. So the trend of the weaker euro, it's not going to be a one-month phenomenon. It's not too late to understand how to invest and play into that. Pinterest, latest round of funding, valued the company at $11 billion. Whoa. That's pretty crazy. Economist Robert Schiller says bond yields are low, but they're not terribly worrisome. Even taking into account the impact of quantitative easing since 2008, long-term rates are higher than expected. France, Germany, and Italy have joined Britain in signing up to the China-backed Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. Dealing a blow to the U.S. government. The U.S. is concerned that the Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank won't have the same governmental environmental standards as the World Bank. Did you know that the home buyers on average put down $32,141 when buying a home? Um, oh, this is bad news. A restroom in a Walmart in India... Has been closed indefinitely after an employee discovered a working meth lab inside. I gotta go pee. Holy <laughs> mackerel, they're making meth in there. I'm gonna be answering a question: Are bank stocks safe to invest in? On my TV spot. Um, if you want to see it, you can find it at cron4.com at 9:15 in the mornings, at 5:45 in the evenings. But you can also see it at Facebook group page I Hate Rob Black, or Facebook Cron4 Rob Black. You can see it at YouTube channel, Rob Black Show, or Twitter channel, Rob Black Show. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Thanks for listening today. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We'll take a break here. We'll talk soon.
0: three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells